BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Startup Cast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stardom Cast. This is a podcast where we talk all things about the fantastic professional wrestling company that is Stardom, and we do it in a positive and what I like to think fun manner. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Matt Turner. Unfortunately, we will not be joined by my good friend and your good friend and the author of the book, Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th Anniversary Interview, one Rob Goodwin. Rob's a little bit under the weather today, so we're going to be flying a little bit solo. My friends, we're going to be fine solo, but that's A-OK, because we're here for two main reasons. Number one, to have fun, right? Why wouldn't we be here if we did not want to have fun? And reason number two, of course, to talk about the fantastic professional wrestling company that is Stardom, as we are smack dab in the, I wouldn't say the middle, maybe the first quarter of this fantastic five-star Grand Prix. So, folks, what I'm doing, I'm going to give you a little menu on what's coming up on the podcast for this episode for this week. The main event of this show we will be talking about, we will be doing a review of the pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, Stardom at Stardom. We will also be going over the five-star matches for this upcoming week. We will be reviewing the shows from the 5th and 6th of August. I know the show from the 8th uh, just went up this morning. I'm recording this on the 9th. I did not get a chance to watch it. So next week, Hopefully Rob will be a little bit better and he'll be back to tagging with me. So next week we'll be reviewing the uh, the Stardom X Stardom show uh, as well as the show from the 8th and the uh, shows from upcoming this week as well. So it'll be a busy, busy week as well. Uh, we got some news. We got some news. We'll touch on the news in just a moment. And then, of course, the Patreon. Uh, but before we get on to all of that, um, if you're new to the uh, podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy. I hope you you stay and you uh, hang out with us for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years. But I usually like to uh, start the podcast with a little bit of chitter chatter. 
last week if you do remember if you uh do listen to the show on a weekly basis that uh, you know that i had a busy busy week my friends busy week and a great week uh this past sunday we had my daughter's high school graduation party which was a really really fun time it was good seeing some of my uh my friends from back towards the scranton pennsylvania area they came up it's always nice to uh, hang out with friends and family my wife god bless her she went absolutely overboard with the with the preparation and everything my wife is very meticulous um, and she's very organized when it comes to certain things like this and she absolutely hit this one out of the park she did like 80 percent of the decorations like 90 percent of the cooking for about 90 people and everything was an absolute home run so uh, tonight as soon as i get done uploading this episode this podcast i'm going to be taking to a little concert i'm going to go see one of her favorite bands one of my favorite bands believe it or not the Google Dolls. So um, speaking of concerts, I was uh, thrashing at a concert this past weekend as well. This past Friday, uh, myself, my best friend, and my father went to the MetLife uh, Stadium, uh, the sites of WrestleMania 29 and 35, to see uh, two little bands there, one called Pantera and one called Metallica. Over 80,000 people there, folks, were there to see heavy metal and its absolute finest. And I've never gotten to see Pantera before. Obviously, this is a way different pan, uh, Pantera than there was 30 years ago. Obviously, the brothers, uh, Dimebag, uh, Daryl, and uh, Vinnie Paul are no longer with us, but we had Charlie Benante from Anthrax, uh, probably my third or fourth favorite band, filling in for the drums, and Zach Wilde, the lead guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne, or off and on the past 30 years or so, was uh, was taking the place there of Dimebag Daryl on guitar. And let me tell you, the replacements, they <laughs> I don't know if you call them replacements because they were fantastic. They thrashed. They kicked ass. It was an absolutely fantastic time. Now, I do want to tell a funny story because, again, that's what part of the podcast we're here. We're here to tell funny stories and have a laugh and have a good time. So um, I was the DD. I um, So I had a, f- a few beers in the parking lot. knew we were going to be there a long time. My, my dad and my best friend were uh, drinking not crazy heavily, but the, they were, let's just say, just having a good time. So we get to the venue, we get to our seats. We know we got about a half an hour before Pantera comes on. We all agree that we we're kind of done drinking beer because we were drinking some pretty heavy beers, some pretty hefty beers. And uh, we figured let's just, you know, maybe have a mixer, you know, something maybe like a vodka and soda or a rum and coke or a Jack and Coke and kind of just, you know, one more in the stadium and then we'll be done with it. We'll rock out to Pantera and we'll rock out to the uh, two and a half hour set that Metallica gave us. So. I said, oh, you guys sit down, relax. I will get the drinks. So I go over and into the, the stadium and the uh, concession stands. And I'm looking for any place that sells mixed drinks. Walk around for a few, few minutes. Can't find anything until, until boom, smack dab in the middle, right there, frozen margarita stand. I figured, all right, this will be perfect. I go to the counter. I told the lady I will take one regular margarita and one strawberry margarita. I turn to the right of me. I start just creating normal conversation, normal chit-chat with the uh, lady to the right of me. As I'm one to, I'm a big people uh, person. I do like chatting with uh, whoever, whether I know you or don't know you. I usually like to say hi and, you know, just make sure uh, everybody is doing A-OK because, uh, again, that's what life's about. You only get one trip around this uh, best of all worlds, and I just want to make sure everybody's OK having a good time. After I get done with this mini conversation, I see my, my margaritas are done. And, folks, they were not put in the most... Um, manliest uh glasses manliest cups if you will now to me i don't care it's i'm an easy going person it is what it is however the cowboys from hell pantera about to take stage 
And then we're getting the Master of Puppets, you know, the Inner Sandman, the Injustice for All, the Harvest of Sorrow, Metallica coming up next. And this is not going to be a good look for me. However, they're already paid for. They're in my hand. Here I go. So I go to walk towards my seats. I must have went past the section that my father and my dad were in, right? And as I'm walking by, my best friend's yelling my name. I turn over to look, and there's my dad going, no, you just keep walking. You keep walking because these drinks in these giant clear containers it was like neon red for the strawberry and like neon green for the lime that's in the margarita so I walk over to my dad i give one to my dad one to my best friend and they look at me with such shame and disgust saying what did you get you realize pantera's coming on stage i said i couldn't find any mixed drink stations with this or beer and we figured that we're all done drinking beer so they're like, you got to be kidding me. So my dad takes a sip of the strawberry and the uh, the the lime, the regular. So does my best friend. And they realize the drinks, these drinks, these margaritas that I purchased were absolutely fantastic. And they absolutely love them. My best friend then says, look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to slam these margaritas. We're going to drink them. We're going to have a good time because they're delicious. But um, we're not taking any pictures of these. So... Needless to say that uh, I had a few sips of each. They were delicious. My dad, my best friend, went to town on these frozen margaritas. And uh, yeah, then Pantera came on stage and they were absolutely fantastic. By the time Pantera was on stage, it was about 60,000 people. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, huge fan of the ECW era. One of the best entrance themes, in my opinion, ECW. Um, in the 90s, Walk by Pantera's Rob Van Dam's game. Actually, Rob Van Dam, for all you AW fans. Um, has been showing up in AEW with the uh, RVD theme. So, uh, or the RVD, excuse me, the Pantera theme. So when Pantera was doing Walk, it was like 55, 60,000 people doing the RVD thumb point, which I thought was cool. So uh, they finished. Now uh, they had about a 45, 50 minute set on the scale one to 10. It was a 10. They were fantastic. And then about 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, give or take, Metallica came on by Metallica. By the time Metallica came on, there wasn't a seat to be found. Yeah, they said there was about 80,000 people there, which is absolutely insane. Uh, it took me about two hours and 15 minutes to get out of the parking lot. And then once I got out of the parking lot, it was about an hour drive home for me. Regardless, absolutely fantastic time with these no-repeat tours that they're doing. I only went to the Friday. Uh, the Sunday I just wasn't going to do it. I just don't have that time. I'm sure it was well worth it, well worth the money. Uh, my cousin, um, he went, one of my best friends, Joey Image, uh, which the, my buddy who set up the Amazing Kong interview, he went to both days. They told me they were absolutely fantastic. But if you're thinking about going or you never went or you've seen Metallica before, you're just not sure if you're going to go, go. Pull the trigger, go. Uh, put it out, you know, I'm not saying go broke or go sell the house or anything like that. Put it on a credit card, figure it out how you, you'll pay it off later because uh, you can always get the money back. You can't get time back. And Metallica's been touring 41 42 years i think kill them all came out i think the year i was born or the year after i was born so they're not going to be doing this forever so if, again if you're a metallica fan if they're within an hour two three hours of driving distance i can't re recommend it enough go see this stadium this the show is just unbelievable where they had the stage set up set up on the 50 yard line and they had eight giant like movie screens like wrapped around poles in the middle of MetLife Stadium so you really didn't miss anything it was just uh and they sounded great again they played for about two and a half hours they're absolutely fantastic they opened up that set with Creeping Death and then they finished with Master of Puppets where I believe they finished night two with uh Inner Sandman makes sense that's kind of their uh their big party theme so um yeah so 
I guess that's enough about that, talking about my personal life. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, enjoyed the little rant that I did. But, yes, go see Metallica. Um, and go see Stardom, right? Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're here for talking about Stardom and uh, these fantastic shows. So let's get into some Stardom talk, shall we? So first and foremost, let's talk about what's coming up on the Patreon this past week. Rob and I release our alternate commentary of what, in my opinion, is the greatest Wonder of Stardom Championship match of all time. Sai Kamatani defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship of the White Belt against the Wild Heart herself, Hazuki, from uh, earlier this year, the Triangle Derby Finals. That was an absolutely fantastic match. And then coming up next week, on the Patreon alternate commentary. We did too. We went back to back again. Sai Kamatani, the summer of Saya continues on, folks. We have Sai Kamatani challenging Tam Nakano for the Wonder of Stardom Championship at Dream Queendom 2021. Spoilers, folks. That's where the legendary reign begins. And I haven't seen that match in about five or six months. Was an absolute blast calling that back with Rob. And also, we did our all, all Japan alternate commentary ever since we redid the Patreon. Back at the beginning of the summer, we're adding in either an All Japan or All Japan Women's Match or what have you. And uh, this was Rob's pick. This is one of Rob's all-time favorite tag matches. I've never seen it before. Um, it was from the uh, Tag League Final, I believe, 88. It was the team of Tenru and Kawada taking on the team of Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy. And I had an absolute blast watching that. Just uh, You can tell there's not a lot of stuff called in this match um, beforehand or even in. It's just... It's Hanson and Gordy just beating the crap out of a uh, very young Kawada. This is before Kawada becomes the legend, like the god that he is. And Kawada's got announced for Starcast. So Kawada's coming over to the States for the first time in like 31, 32 years. I think it's Eddie Kingston that's interviewing him or something like that. So that's super exciting. I wish I was closer to the Chicago area because Kawada's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. The Holy Demon Army, Kawada and Tawei, probably my second or third all-time favorite tag team. So that's really cool. That Kawada's coming back uh, to the States, you know, after 30 years and hasn't wrestled in, I don't know, 15, 16 years, give or take. So hopefully he's, uh, we get a, we give him a well-received reception. He comes back to the States maybe like once a year for these fans fests and conventions because I would love to meet Kawada. But yeah, this is before Kawada has the black and gold tights. He's wearing uh, Zubas, which was very popular in the 80s. Yeah, I'm an 80s kid, so I do remember them. So it's, it is kind of funny, but the match is great. Absolutely great. Um. And also, probably by the time you listen to this or this upcoming weekend, the uh, review, so again, Summer Sire, Rockin' and Rollin', the review of Aphrodite, Sai Kamatani, and Utami High, it's just the, the tag team making up two-sixths of the current Queen's Quest, uh, their 2022 Goddess of Stardom uh, tournament tag run, that review should be in your feed either by the time you listen to this or sometime this weekend. So, um, Sean will probably have that up uh, pretty soon. So, and I had an absolute blast going back and watch those matches. I, and I mentioned it uh, in the in that episode. And you'll hear it that I remember they had a really, really good run. But when I was going back watching, I'm like, damn, I don't remember these matches being this good. I mean, I know they were good, and they, but I but I mean, their, their matches just their their final night with uh, Aphrodite versus Meltier, and then Aphrodite versus uh, Seven Up. It's just what a great one night of tag wrestling from just one team. And also, I think it was night three or night four versus uh, Momo and Starlight Kid. And then they have this brutal, like, kicks, uh, kick fest, strike fest with uh, Karate Brave, Shuri, and uh, Tomoka Inaba, where Tomoka Inaba really, really shines there. So uh, if you haven't done so and you're thinking about it, I mean, it's three bucks. If you're, if you're not on the Patreon, you're, you're thinking about joining, you're not sure. Um, and you get all these reviews, plus the amazing back catalog that we've been doing for the past year plus. 
It's all for $3. And uh, so since that one, that is done, that is in the books, in the can, again, should be up on your feed any day now. The homework will begin probably tomorrow for the uh, episode I'm looking forward to doing the most. The Mammoth Sayakamatani Wonder of Stardom Championship Run. Yes, all, what's it, 16, 17 matches uh, from that run. And uh, that'll probably be close to a two-hour episode. There's no way I can probably get that done in 90 minutes, an hour, 40, hour, 45. That's probably closer to a two-hour episode. So I know a lot of, a lot of you folks list, like the uh, that listen. You like the longer episodes for you Patreon. I won't have Rob with me on that one. Again, that, this will be a solo one. So if you don't mind listening to me talk about Saikon Matani, the greatest Wonder of Stardom champion of all time, in my opinion, the 2022 Wrestler of the Year, not just in Stardom, but in all of wrestling. If you don't mind listening to about two hours of that, uh, you will absolutely enjoy the episode because, again, the homework for that will probably start this weekend. I'll try to have that banged out. That'll be up on your Patreon feeds um, by the end of this month. So um, before we get into the show reviews, let's talk about some news. And we're going to be talking about some stuff that are kind of stepping a little bit out of the stardom realm. But if you've listened to this podcast before or if you've uh, followed me on any social media uh, you all know that I am a huge fan of Io Shirai, and again, if this is your first time listening to the Stardom Cast, welcome. We have new listeners each and every week, and we appreciate that. Um, folks, if, again, if you're new, I am a huge fan of Io Shirai. She is my favorite uh, female wrestler of all time, and I think she's the greatest female wrestler of all time. This past week, Io Shirai cashed in her Money in the Bank contract on Bianca Belair just seconds after she won the uh, re- a really good triple threat match with Charlotte and Asuka uh, to become the new WWE Women's Champion. Uh, super excited for that. There was heavy rumors that it was going to happen. And uh, just watching EO run down that giant runway, it's like basically a 100-yard dash, <laughs> took me back to my high school football days, which I was not good any good at, folks. Uh, but, um, yeah, she she ran that thing down, and then uh, basically her and Bailey beat everybody up. That was in eyesight with the briefcase. They ring the bell. EO hits the over the moon salt for the one, two, three. Uh, super excited for her. Super ecstatic. You can see what it meant to her, especially for us stardom fans. And then Michael Cole with the call of the year. Where after EO wins, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, from the world of stardom to the star of the world, EO Shirai. And that got stardom trending like crazy. Like crazy. And now we have new people. I know myself and Rob, and we've had uh, just a lot of newer people asking us certain questions about stardom because there's so many people that watch that event. I know there was 59,000 in the bu- in the building, so close to 60,000, and I know wh- how knows how many hundreds of thousands or million people watching on the Peacock Network. Um, just seeing that, and they, the fact that they mentioned the world of stardom, which the world of stardom, of course, the World Stardom Championship is the red belt, the highest belt you can earn in stardom and eo did have two runs with that belt two of the best runs ever uh the v10 and the v14 uh which are covered in the uh, the patreon uh, so if you're a patreon members that is in the back catalog and in my opinion eo's v14 is not only the best run in the history of stardom but one of the best runs in any japanese company in the last 25 years whether it's okada's uh run tanahashi's run with the new japan belt whether it's uh, Kabashi's phenomenal uh, run with the uh, GHC Global Honor Crown Championship belt, the EO V14 is right up there with this match quality, and I believe it's 536 days that she held that belt. So I thought that was really cool. That was a nice little can 
And uh, was I don't know if he meant it, but it got a little bump up for stardom. We, there was a, you know, I saw some metrics where their YouTube channel kind of got a little more views and their Twitter page got a little more views and even us on Facebook got a little more views. So that that was really, really cool. So, uh, and again, if you're checking out this podcast for the first time because of that, you know, welcome. Uh, and again, any questions, comments, anything that myself, Rob can do for you, just uh, let us know because we are we're an open book. We, we absolutely love talking stardom or wrestling in general with all the uh, friends and family of the stardom cast on the other big news is it's a uh, heavily rumored uh, almost a done deal that Kyrie will be returning to uh, the wwe sometime i believe in late october early november is the tentative date obviously all that stuff can change um she has a, she is wrestling for sendai girls i believe in september and then wrestling for all japan which is kind of weird like not all japan women which doesn't exist anymore but all japan so She's got those two dates, and then she has two more dates. She did say that she wants to wrestle a homegrown person in stardom for her final date. So those two dates, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, they're both for stardom. So um, Julia, I know she's not the homegrown, but let's just okay. Let's play. Uh, let's back up a step here. Let's play armchair booker here. So she's got two dates supposedly left. Of course, it's wrestling. It's subjective. They can always add on to those dates. But let's assuming that those last two dates are for stardom. She wants to wrestle somebody homegrown for stuff from stardom. That's what stardom from the ground up. So you have a Zumi, a possibly rematch with Mayu, uh, possibly rematch with Utami because they did have that match uh, at Dream Kingdom last year that went to a 15 minute draw. That was really really good. And so one of the if you're a big fan of Utami dropping people with a hijack bomb. Boy, she plants Kyrie right into the mat with that hijack bomb. Jeez Louise. Um, so, like, those are really the three big ones that, that kind of come to mind. I was thinking Sai Kamatani, but she might not. We still don't really have a return date uh, on her arm injury because of the ligament damage. They're probably seeing the strength in that. But I would love to see. That's the match that I would want to see actually the most is because when Sai came back, she basically right mentioned to Sai, or uh, when Kyrie came back, excuse me, she mentioned to Sai, like, hey, you have that white belt, that wonder belt. You're doing a great job with it. But I was, like, really the first big superstar to really – Put that belt on the map and then they they were supposed to have a match at stardom x stardom last year kind of funny because that's what we're reviewing at the end of the show um stardom x stardom last year Kyrie got covid they pushed it off until uh, november they had a 30 minute draw fantastic match uh match if you have not seen please go out of your way to see it one of Kyrie's best matches ever and one of the better matches inside his fantastic reign and i'm one of the matches i'm going to go back and watch um definitely not begrudgingly for that uh patreon episode so um that's basically where uh, where I was thinking it would go. Again, we don't know when these matches are going to take place. We don't know when Sai is coming back. But Azumi is a name, too, that has popped up quite a bit. And I think that'd be a great rub for Azumi. Utami doesn't need the rub, even though we'd love to see that rematch. Mayu doesn't need the rub, even though we'd love to see that rematch. Sai Kamatani really doesn't need the rub. What a great way would that for her to come back from an injury, especially if she was supposed to win the five-star Grand Prix that was heavily rumored in the Wrestling Observer. Um, again, win or not, she was probably going to go far in the tournament regardless. What a great rub that would be for But Azumi. Well, I mean, you just the starting roster is so stacked that like when a Azumi match starts, you're just like, oh, I forgot this. Like Azumi's like one of the best wrestlers in the world. So um, that would be a, uh, a you know match that I would love to see. Hazuki as well. Hazuki as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe she is stardom homegrown. Uh, you know, obviously she had that retirement, came back. She's absolutely crushing and kicking ass. I mean, we love uh, we love Hazuki. So Hazuki Kyrie, I mean, we'll see where that goes. But the other day is still the question mark. Julia, 
right? I mean, it's got to be Julia. They teased that in the uh, the six-person tag match with Restart when they dropped the belts to uh, the Donald Del Mundo team of Julia, uh, Tekla, and May Sakurai. They really built up like they were going to have a one-on-one match. So I'm hoping, again, obviously Julia is not a homegrown stardom talent. Uh, she did come from Ice Ribbon, but at the same time, they can change it. They can be like, well, she only has one day. We're going to give Kyrie versus Julia. And, uh, you know, maybe we see Kyrie pin clean for the first time in a starter ring since her return. Kind of, you know, hey, putting somebody out, out and way out. But I would love to see at least one more starter match that really they can put her in there with anybody. I don't think nobody's going to complain. They could do a tag six person just so maybe they can get everybody in. Maybe you do a, uh, maybe you do restart uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, sorry, Anu. And uh, Natsupoy versus maybe Azumi, Saikamatani, Yutami. I mean, that'd be a great match. There's a zillion different aspects they can go with that. Uh, regardless, it's going to be exciting uh, to see what they do. Again, she's got two dates left. I hope that one of those dates is for uh, is the start. I mean, that's got to be her final, right? Um, I did see a lot of negativity on the, on the Twitterverse or the Xverse or whatever it's called this week about her leaving. Like, why would she go back? She was so misused. Look, she really hasn't wrestled much in Star, especially this past year. When she's wrestled like four matches, like when's the last time she had a singles match? I think it was the Utami match, uh, which was at the end of the year. I mean, if if my I'm I'm not looking at stats, that's one of the many reasons why uh, Rob is just fantastic. You pull that up in like two seconds, but and she made mention back in early spring that she wants to wrestle a lot more, and we were all excited here on the Stardom Cast and the Stardom Universe that like okay, we're gonna see Kyrie more. Maybe we'll get her in the five star. And for some reason, what other reason, just she never got booked. And I don't know, maybe if her price was too high or the dates weren't lining up or that's why she was wrestling, you know, over at Sendai Girls. And then she wrestled at that uh, Sari show or uh, her and Sari versus Takumi Roha. And um, I believe it was uh, was uh, Risa Nakajima. And I, heard, I haven't seen that match yet, but I heard it's great. Uh, and then she wrestled Yunagi at the Kenta Kabashi Fortune Show. Um so she's been taking a lot of outside stardom bookings. I mean, she is she is a freelancer, so she can absolutely do that. But I just don't know why that stardom never booked her. Again, maybe they just didn't see the return investment in with her. Maybe they're like, look, we have all these other stars. We really don't need her. I, I don't know. I can't see that being the case. But uh, Kairu is very polite, very showing a lot of love and appreciation to Rossi Ogawa. So um, I see why if you're a stardom fan, you're upset that Kairu's going. At the same time, like, they really weren't using her. And now we're going to see her on a weekly basis in front of, I mean, WWE, their numbers, they're crushing it. 14,000, 15,000 people. Then on these premium live events, you know, you're getting 50,000, 60,000 people. I mean, can you imagine her at a WrestleMania, you know, 80,000 people, you know, with that entrance and just her aura? Uh, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. So would I have loved to see her in stardom and have like a full run in stardom where she's wrestling the Suzu Suzuki's, the Julia's. Uh, her and Mayu are teaming up to take on Aphrodite or Meltier thousand percent absolutely would i love to see a singles match with her and saida you know we love saida on the show absolutely would i love to see her just having matches with the younger talent the rookies to help them out absolutely but they weren't using her the bottom line is we want Kyrie to be happy she wants to go back to wwe she's gonna be making a lot more money over there we're gonna be seeing her wrestling a lot more the bottom line is and not only that but the wwe women's division is fantastic Kyrie and eo Let's push for it for Philly Mania, right, folks? Can you imagine Kyrie versus EO in an actual proper match, either on TV or on the big show? Again, fingers crossed. Can you imagine we get that match at WrestleMania? But like Kyrie versus Bianca Belair, Kyrie versus Charlotte, Kyrie versus Bailey. I mean, I mean, it just goes Kyrie versus uh, Shayna Baszler. 
I mean, they had a really great few uh, Kyrie's first run. There's a bunch of great matches that we can Kyrie and Oscar. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on and on. Um, but uh, so it's going to be exciting to see her on TV again. Another reason why I have to stay tuned to WWE TV. And that brings me to my next point, which will close out the news section, folks. So we have decided, obviously, EO and Kyrie. Uh, again, if you're new to stardom, they are two thirds of the daughters of stardom. The third being Mayu Iwatani. So what we're going to do, we may start this next week, the week after, I'm not sure. And I did put this up on Twitter or the X, whatever you want to call it this week, uh, is we're going to be starting a segment. Again, maybe next week, the week after, we're going to be doing a segment that whatever EO and Kyrie do on TV, and I know Kyrie's not coming back until the fall, whatever they do on TV or whether it's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, I'll be watching. We'll be making notes and we'll be talking about it. I guess that to me, that's just a way to keep EO and Kyrie kind of still in the stardom universe. And I kind of put like a quick little, uh, hey, you know, stuff on social media. Hey, does everybody want that? And everyone suggests, absolutely. Absolutely. We would love for you guys to cover EO and Kyrie, even though, the, um, you know, EO has not been a part of the stardom family in, in five years. To me, she'll always be stardom. And the same thing with Kyrie. So whatever EO and Kyrie are doing on TV, we'll be watching, we'll be reviewing, we'll be doing our notes, and we'll be talking about it on this podcast. Hope that's okay with you. So, um, again, this gives us a reason to talk about EO and Kyrie every week on this podcast. Again, it keeps them close to the stardom family and the stardom cast and the friends and family that you all are. So, that's pretty much all I have it for the news, folks. Let's go into these two shows. Again, we're co- we're covering these shows from the 5th and the 6th. The show from the 8th just went up this morning. Did not get a chance to review it. So thanks to my main man, Darren Chatton, who literally, as I was getting on to record this podcast, he dropped me the numbers for the attendance numbers. And I'm a numbers guy, so it's always nice to see. So the show from the 5th took place in Kamiyatsu Ishikawa. Um, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. In front of 502 fans. And the results are as follows. And I will go through the, uh, quickly just go through the uh the first few matches and then we will i will delve more into the five star matches match number one saida yes one of our favorites here on the show saida defeating hanako with the dragon sleeper really solid match i gave it three and a quarter stars and that gets saida her first two points no i'm just kidding <laughs> saida getting the win um match number two had the oedo tai team of momo watanabe natsuko tora and rina defeat the Queen's Quest team of Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, and Hina in 9 minutes and 44 seconds. When we saw Rina pinning Hina with the Pink Devil, I had this one at 3.5 stars. And usually, um, I'm a huge fan of Queen's Quest. Not only are they my favorite faction in wrestling now, they're probably my third favorite faction ever, ever in wrestling. And you have the six. So you have Izumi, Saikamatani, and Yutami. So those are those are your main three. Any way you slice, those are the main three. And then you have like the next three, which is Lady C, Miyu, and Hina. And when I heard the heard the Queen's Quest, because I forgot what the match was, I just pressed play and was getting ready to write down my notes. And I'm like, oh, I wonder which of the I know it's a six person match, but like, are is Azumi in this? Is it Utami? I said was Lady C, Miyu, and Hina. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like no disrespect, the bottom half of of Queen's Quest. But Lady C, Miyu, and Hina. And they did on the next day. They work amazing together. I was like, holy jeez. Like, these are obviously, you know, the creme de la creme of Queen's Quest. In my opinion, I don't think too many people disagree with me, is Azumi, Sai, and Yutami. These three work amazing together. Again, Miyu is ever-improving. Lady C is so underrated. She's so good. 
and Hina only 16, 17 years old. Once she becomes a full-time member of the starting roster, uh, just like her sister Rena, I think they're just going to absolutely blow it out of the water. But this was really good, and I really enjoyed the way Lady CMU and Hina team up. And if they do a triangle derby next year, uh, I would love to see them keep, you know, main Queen's Quest and uh, and then this version of Queen's Quest. So I'd love to see Yutami, Izumi, and Saya once again part of their own thing on Queen's Quest and then uh, Lady C, Miyu, and Hina. Because, again, they worked really well together. Really enjoyed this match. Uh, the next match, match number three, saw the God's Eye team of Shuri, Saki Kashima, Amisori defeating the, uh, the, the, the what do I have here? The Stars team of Mayu Utani, Hana, and Suzuki when Siri tapped out Hana with a grounded Suzako, uh, double armbar, 9 minutes, 52 seconds, 3.5 stars. Really good, you know, brutal ball. You have Suzuki in there. Mayu's great. Hana is just amazing. She's just so good. Uh, the way that she's just basically taking this onslaught from Shuri, Mami Sori, and then she just decides to judo throw the world. A really, really excellent match, and just really excited to see what the future has for the uh, future ace in Hana. I thought she was great here. Match number three, three-way tag bout. Oh, I gave that match three and a half stars. Match number three, three-way tag bout. We have the tag team champions, the God of Stardom champions, Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May, versus uh, the Don the Mundo team of Julia and Tekla, the Berry Berry Bombers, and the makeshift team of May Sierra and Megan Bain. When Megan Bain uh, is able to hit the F5 um, on the Tekla, for the uh, the three count in 13 minutes and nine seconds, three and a half stars. This is basically a really good showing for Megan Bain. You had Mina and Mariah May, they got their tag stuff in. Uh, May Sierra was really good here. Julian Tekla, you know, the Berry Berry Bombers, uh, they got a lot of their tag stuff here. But really, these Megan Bain matches, are, everybody's just kind of like the side dishes, getting their stuff in. But the main course is Megan Bain just to build her up as this monster. As uh, she challenges Tamna Kyle this weekend for the World of Stardom Championships. And again, it's very going to, we'll get into it at the, the end of the episode. You you know that Tam's going to win. Right? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's wrestling. Anything can happen. Um, they've shocked us before. But you're wondering how she's going to win. Because Megan Bain, I don't think she hasn't been taken off her feet. And she's just rolling through everybody here. They're doing a great job building, building her up to your kind of scene. Like, where's this going to go? How is it going to go? How's Tam going to be able to dethrone this monster that's just crushing everybody? So it's going to be interesting to see. And really interesting to see on Sunday. A really good match. Uh, three and a half stars. Let's get into the five star matches from the fifth. So the first match, the next match, match number five on this show, saw Blue Stars block action. Mirai getting two more points, taking up to four, getting the victory over Azumi when she hits the Mirror Mirai shock and then follows up with Leaping Lariat. And 7 minutes, 55 seconds, 4 and a quarter stars. And again, folks, I'm going to delve into these 5-star matches a little bit a little bit more. So, uh, the 2 start out, we have some really good tra- chain wrestling. Azumi goes to her high-speed offense to get the first advantage of the match. Azumi then hits a springboard drop kick, and then the Alita arm drag. She transitions the that arm drag into the double arm bar. The way Azumi builds up her arm work, how she uses the lucha and the high-speed offense to build up to the arm work is second to none in wrestling. She really is a wrestling genius. Azumi uh, hits a tree of, woe, tree of woe double stomp, and then she tries to follow up with a top rope double stomp. But Mariah gets out of the way and hits a huge lariat, which is like really the first big thing that uh, that Mariah hits this match. Uh, Mariah then follows up with a missile drop kick for two. Mariah goes for another lariat, but Azumi ducks it. It's a huge head kick and then the, the C4 bomb, which is the leg capture German suplex. Um, then she, Azumi follows up with the Azumi Sushi that scores her a two count. 
Mirai then crushes Izumi with his lariat. Mirai tries to follow up that lariat with another lariat. Because Mir Mirai very much comes to the, the Nigel McGinnis school of lariats where she hits one, she has to hit a few more. Uh, which I love. I love that psychology. Uh, hey, it's a big move. Let me try to hit it again to put this person away. Eventually, they kind of get out. So Izumi ducks the other lariat attempt. She tries for the numero uno, but Mirai counters with a few roll-ups. They go back and forth with a few near falls that it looks like Azumi was almost going to steal one here. Azumi escapes the mere Mirai shock into the La Mystica, uh, and then she, tra she uh, transitions that into the numero uno. Mirai quickly gets the ropes. Mirai comes back with a huge lariat, and then she follows up that lariat with the mere Mirai shock, and then hits the leaping lariat for three count. Again, four and a quarter stars. This was fantastic. Azumi 0-2, while Mirai has won two in a row, taking it up to four points. We go to the co-main event of this show as we saw Suzu Suzuki getting her first two points in the Red Stars block as she defeats Starlight Kid with the Locomotion German Suplex, 12 minutes, 26 seconds, four and a quarter stars. And uh, this was, they've had a lot of interactions, a lot of matches over the last year. Um, but this one was probably my favorite. This was really, really good. And the fact that I think they have another gear. So I think eventually when one of these competitors wins the white belt or red belt, you'll see maybe something like a 16, 17-minute match. Or maybe in a final of a five-star, maybe next year. I think you'll have you'll see a little bit more uh, more involved. Again, this was a great match. But it still seems like they were leaving something on the table. And that's A-OK because they gave us enough. This was fantastic. Um, Starlight Kid goes after Suzu Suzuki's knee with a low dropkick. It was a really cool spot where they had a lockup in, and then uh, Suzu, excuse me, uh, Starlight Kid pushes Suzu to the ropes, and you know the heel never gives a clean break, but she dropkicked uh, Suzu's knee. I never seen that before. Usually, like if like I love Kento when she when Kenta back in uh, like the Noah days or when he was in Ring of Honor back in the early two thousands, they would go for a clean break and he would go for like a head kick, and usually their opponent would duck, um, but. Starlight Kid goes right to Suzu's knee. No clean break, which we knew we were going to get. But I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. I thought that was cool. Um, Suzu then tries to bail out to the floor to uh, get, break a little little separation. Because obviously Starlight Kid, uh, if she's working the knee, she's going to go for that Black Tiger leg crusher submission. So she rolls to the floor to try to create separation. But Starlight Kid is a high cross body to the floor. Starlight Kid works on Suzu's knee on the floor. Uh, she tries to use a chair. You don't do that with Suzu Suzuki. We saw this with Momo Watanabe at last year's uh, five-star Grand Prix. Didn't turn out so well when you try to use weapons on a deathmatch wrestler like Suzu Suzuki. Suzu turns it around. She beats the crap out of Starlight Kid with a chair. Uh, Suzu throws her back in the ring. She hits a standing moonsault for two. Um, she whips Starlight Kid into the uh, the turnbuckle. When she does, Starlight Kid's able to come off at a reverse uh, counter high cross body. And then she gets a standing moonsault of her own that scores Starlight Kid at two count. She goes back to Suzu's knee with the Indian Deathlock. Um, eventually, we see a big form uh, fest between the two. Of course, Suzu Suzuki wins the exchange. Uh, again, Suzu Suzuki is very good at the deathmatch wrestling, but she's also very good at the striking of wrestling. She throws really good kicks and really stiff forms. And boy, did how, boy howdy did she hear. Starlight Kid, though, uh, even though 21, 22 years old, uh, veteran of the ring, um, instead of realizing I shouldn't be changing, uh, exchanging blows, excuse me, with Suzu Suzuki. So she hits a low drop kick, staying on the knee. Suzu comes back with a big spear. Starlight Kid goes back to Suzu's knee uh, with a seated uh, lay, uh, dragon uh, screw leg crusher submission. Um, Starlight Kid hits the 180 splash from the top rope for a two count, twisting splash. 
Um, Suzu uh, comes back with a crazy German suplex. The crowd really rallies behind Suzu. Suzu hits a half-and-half half slam for a two-count. She goes for the tequila shot, um, but Starlight Kid escapes the tequila shot, rolls up Suzu Suzuki for a near fall that everybody bit on. Starlight Kid hits a cross-leg Northern Light suplex that she does also well. Uh, she attempts the eternal foe from the top rope, but Suzu then attempts a top rope German suplex. Uh, Starlight Kid eventually kicks her off. She misses the top rope moonsault. Starlight Kid then hits the, uh, or excuse me, Suzu hits the tequila shot for two. And then Suzu hits, um, then takes Starlight Kid, basically deadlifts Starlight Kid on the top rope. Uh, she hits a half and half slam from the top rope. And that was really cool. So she hits the tequila shot and then she uh, basically goes out. She sits on the top rope and just basically just deadlifts Starlight Kid up from the apron all the way up to like the second or third rope where she was sitting and hits the half and half slam. Uh, that scores her two count. And then Suzu follows up with the locomotion back-to-back German suplexes for the three count. 12 minutes, 26 seconds. Again, four and a quarter stars. Absolutely fantastic match. As Suzu Suzuki gets off the goose egg, she gets on the board with two points. We go to the main event of the show, which saw Soria Nu and Micah. They both fight to a 15-minute, excuse me, 15-minute time limit draw. So that's Soria Nu's second time limit draw. That puts her up to four points, and that gives Micah three points. Um, I did realize, and I did see notes, and you can easily see it if you're watching the show. Everybody, all five, over 500 of these fans are in this building with fans fanning themselves off. And I guess either the air conditioning broke or... There was no AC in the building as, uh, man, it was hot. So when you have uh, six previous matches going on, so you already have all that heat in the ring, all that bumping, and then this is your main event, and you want them to go 15 minutes, and you're trying to follow up that great match at Starlight Kid versus Suzu Suzuki. And boy, howdy, they, uh, they, they, Micah and Sorinu really worked their asses off here. They really did, but you can just tell the heat was getting to them. There's spots in this match where they're throwing water at each other, and if you think it's building up the intensity, but me as a wrestler, I'm like, and I've wrestled in these hot buildings before. To me, they're kind of doing each other a favor by throwing the water on them to kind of cool them down. Um, so the match starts with, with uh, Soria New refuses to shake Micah's hand. So Micah drop kicks Soria New that sends Soria to the floor. Uh, uh, Micah hits a lariat uh, off the apron. I've never seen that before. We've seen like Sherry doing the running punk kick, and we've seen Momo Watanabe doing the double knees, the Samato the meteor, whatever you want to call it, off the apron. But Mike hits a running lariat off the apron. I guess she really is queen of lariats, isn't she? Uh, they basically uh, brawl on the outside. They both throw each other through a row of chairs. Uh, maybe that was trying to cool them down as well. Back in the ring, Soria New it targets uh, Micah's neck with several innovative submission holds. She's really good at the bridging, isn't she? Like She does this bridging neck breaker that reminded me of like Kurt Henning. There's a lot of things that she does that reminds me of Kurt Henning. You know, but I call it the perfect, perfect flex that she does and the neck submissions and how she gets to certain things. She reminds me a lot of Kurt Henning. So, and that's a damn good uh, compliment to uh, our good wrestler to be compared to. Uh, Micah is able to come back with the Buzz Sawyer style power slam and then follows up with the sliding lariat that scores her two count. We get a forearm trade off between the two. Micah then hits a shoulder tackle. Sorinu goes back to the neck, uh, locks in a sleeper hold. Micah takes the fight back to the floor. Uh, she hits a back suplex on the apron, and then they throw water at each other. Again, uh, if you're looking at that from the fan perspective, you're like, wow, they're really building up the intensity. But again, wrestling is a two-way dance. They're probably trying to cool each other off, all while working in their story of the match, which I thought was great. 
Soryu hits the perfect, perfect plex, as I call it, which is the fisherman suplex, since it's a thing of beauty. Uh, the perfect, perfect plex scores a new two count. Micah cuts a new off off in the top rope. She tries for a superplex, but Soryu is able to get out and hits a top rope for her karana. Soryu then tries to go to the top again, but Micah is able to cut her off, and then she hits the superplex. And you can tell when she hits the superplex, you can just, two of them are just exhausted. This heat is just getting to them. Just absolutely exhaust, and they know they still get. They're hearing the countdown of the time they still have to go, and boy, there's not much left in the tank, and they still put the pedal to the metal. God bless them. Uh, they trade strikes back and forth. Uh, Mike Connors or her Karana into a Boston Crab. She hits the 360 Lariat. Sorry, New comes back. It's an amazing German suplex. Mike comes back with another huge Lariat and SDO for two. Mike tries for the Mike Buster, but the time expires. Four stars, great match. Wish the building was maybe a little bit cooler, but you can tell that uh, these two, they really poured everything into this match. Uh, then Micah said, unfortunately, this match ended in a draw. I will, um, no, what she said, I won't see in the finals because that's better in the same block. She did say that after she wins the five star, she will become the World of Stardom champion and that in early 2024, she will announce that Sora New will be one of her early opponents. So, Stardom's doing a great job sprinkling in these little hints of who's going to win the five-star, who's calling them out for the final, or who's going to get a championship match afterwards. So this is great. So now it's like you have the people thinking that uh, after Mike had this phenomenal performance, and you know, Sorry New as well. Sorry New is like the early MVP so far of this tournament, in my opinion, where it's like, oh, man, maybe we'll see Micah win the red belt, and then Micah sometime in uh, winter, spring of 2024, a Micah versus Sorry New World of Stardom Championship match. Don't think anybody will say no to that. I don't think that's the route they're going, but uh, they did a great job planting that seed. Great job planting that seed, Stardom. So kudos to you as always. So now we will go to, as you probably get my pages turning. I'm old school, folks. I keep notes, notebooks. It's just easier for me to get my train of thought that way. We will go to the 6th of August um, in Hadamatsu. 728 people jam-packed this building. Uh, that's a that's a darn good number for a non-pay-per-view. Stardom, this Stardom uh, company, folks, they're going to do A-OK. Match number one saw the Donald Del Mundo team of Julia and Tecla uh, defeating the uh, the, oh, the Tai team of Rina on Momo Watanabe. Seven minutes and ten seconds where we saw Julia. She countered a submission attempt from Rina into the Bianca. I had Rena tapping out uh, three and a half stars. The crowd was hot. Let me tell you some folks. Uh, the last uh, last show we reviewed that had the Mina Marai match that was fantastic. The crowd just was not into this. These two crowds were completely different. They were into everything. The crowd was super hot for this show, especially this opening match. When you have Julia and Momo Watanabe on opposite ends, you're only going to get fireworks. So, yep, really good match. Uh, great way to start at three and a quarter stars. Match number two saw the stars team of Mayu Tani, Saeeda, and Koguma defeating the Queen's Quest team of Lady C, Rina, and excuse me, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki. With the uh, we would see the freedom drop kick to Miyu, and then Koguma finishes Miyu off with a top rope body splash. Eight minutes, fifty nine seconds, three and a half stars. Again, I mentioned a few minutes earlier ago, folks. Lady C, Rina, and Miyu as a trio for Queen's Quest, absolutely fantastic. Obviously, Mayu, Saeeda, and Koguma, they're always great. It's always great to see the Freedom Rocket Launcher. We've been seeing Mayu do that quite a bit over the past year. And another win for Saeeda, folks. She moves up to four points. I'm just kidding. But another win, Saeeda, two for two. Two for two. Match number three. 
we would see the makeshift team of Megan Bain and Mariah May defeating Nasapoi and Yuna Mizumori when Megan Bain pins Yuna with the F5. 10 minutes, 6 seconds, 3 and a quarter stars. And folks, if you're a fan of Nasapoi like I am, boy, I'll tell you what, there was some great segments of little Nasapoi just trying to chop down this giant tree. That's Megan Bain. And boy, she had no fear. She really took it to Megan Bain. But ultimately, it was just uh, Megan Bain's power. Again, they're... It, the whole purpose for all these matches with Megan Bain, you get everybody a little shine here or there, whatever. But just Megan Bain just kind of really just roll through people and just put people away with their power and that beautiful F5. Again, building to her match with Tam. It's going to be interesting to see how Tam can conquer Megan Bain. You know, perfect job building her up. Again, I don't think she's taking a bump, uh, which is smart. Three and a quarter stars. We get to the last match of the show before we get into these five-star matches. As we saw the uh, makeshift team of Micah, Suzuki, May Sierra defeating the God's Eye team of Saki Kashima, Amisori, and Mirai when uh, May Sierra pins Saki once again with the Rolling Star Cradle. 9 minutes, 37 seconds, 3.5 stars. Again, May Sierra has pinned the High Speed Champion several times. I think that's eventually where they're going. I think just they've got this really good comedy gimmick going with Saki, and uh, they have. Uh, Obviously, her joining God's Eye, getting the sympathy there with her losing that match of the year candidate cage match with the Widow Tyvers Queen's Quest. So she's got the sympathy there. So they're going to strum it out as long as they can. Obviously, the main focus uh, for the rest of the summer and going into the fall is the five star. But I wouldn't be shocked that if you see one of the uh, paper, one of the first pay-per-views coming out of the five star or a big Cork and Hall show that we see May Sierra getting the win over Saki Kashima and becoming the high speed champion. So. That's that for the undercard, and let's get into the main crux of this show, folks. These five-star matches. So, next match, match number five on this show. Blue Stars block. Mina Shirakawa picking up another win, taking her to four points over Hana, who uh, still at zero points. As we did see, Hana taps out to the figure four leg lock. Ten minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, Hana's off to this match. I had this match at four stars. Excuse me. Hana's off to a fast start with a drop kick. Several uh, running European uppercuts. A new little offense we see from Hana. We see obviously sliding variants. The sliding Ds are uh, quite a bit from some of the starting roster, but none of these like sliding European uppercuts. And Hana's add them to her arsenal. I'll take it. She's fantastic. Mina misses a low drop kick. Mina misses quite a few of these low drop kicks. Like Hana has her well scouted which I thought was great. It's like, here's Hana, 18 years old. Mina's just coming off this great run that built her up, uh, won the Wonder Stardom Championship, had a great match with Natsupoi, great match with Tammy, even though she dropped the belt. She's one half of the Goddess of Stardom Champion. Mina's on a roll, crushes everybody with these uh, low drop kicks. But Hana, only 18 years old, smart enough to get out of the way. I thought that was really good in the beginning of the match. Like, nope. And then any time that Mina would miss it, the psychology was Hana would stay on her. I thought this was great. I thought it was great. Um, Hana locks uh, Mina in a double armbar. Mina finally is able to hit the low dropkick about uh, two or three minutes into the match. Mina locks in the figure four. Hana is able to fight fight it off. Um, she fires off some forearms, but Mina goes back to the knee. Hana hits the fallaway slam and the Hana special onto Mina for two. Hana hits the rocker dropper, or the famous, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for two count. And then she goes for the uh, backdrop driver, which is one of Hana's finisher. Mina's able to get out of it by kicking away at Hana's knee. I thought that was just genius simple. You can keep wrestling simple, folks. 
Han escapes the dragon screw leg whip with the DDT. That was cool. How many times have we seen like Fujinami do the dragon screw, or we've seen uh, like Muda do the dragon screw, or Tanahashi? Usually, do the dragon screw. You have to put your head down so you can, you know, get proper leg positioning, and then you're feeding the head for the DDT. Like how I've, I've never seen that. Never seen that. I've seen the dragon screw a thousand times. Never seen anybody just like, well, your head's down. I'm just gonna take it and drive it right into that with DDT. Hana's a genius, absolute genius. Uh, Hana hits the Hana special for two. She hits the uh, backdrop uh, for two point nine. Uh, eventually, um, Mina gets the advantage. She goes for the Glamorous Collection Mina roll-up, but then Hana counters that roll-up with the 17 roll-up for 2.9. Great. Again, she's countering a lot of Mina's things. This is great. Uh, Mina has finally hit the Dragon Screw leg whip, locks in the figure four leg lock, and it may work it. They sell it for a good 60, 70 seconds. You think Hana's going to get out. She's going to fight out of it. Mina's going to have to give it up. They go to something else. They get to the ropes, but they work it. They sell it. Eventually, Hana taps out. Again, this is great. This is a solid, solid four stars for me. I think Hana, and we've mentioned this pretty much every week on this podcast, she may come out with two, three points, maybe four at the most, but she's going to come out as looking like a superstar. Uh, I know early on I had her upsetting Mirai to get a white belt shot. Obviously, uh, that match last week did, uh, did happen. It was great, but uh, did not get the upset. But she's coming out of this thing, going to be an absolute huge star. Again, at the, just the tender age of uh, of 17, just absolutely, or 18, just absolutely amazes me. Match number six on the show, we go to the Blue Stars block as we see uh, Azumi getting her first two points by defeating Sorianu, hitting a uh, combination of a head kick, destroyer, and the Azumi Sushi. Eight minutes, 18 seconds. My notes are, wow, four and a quarter stars. This was great. Uh, match begins with Azumi and Soryanu trading wrist locks back and forth. Soryanu hits a big boot. Uh, Azumi returns one, fires off a few kicks, and then builds up to her arm work. Again, I mentioned before how genius Azumi is on building up the arm work here. Uh, Sori goes for a, uh, basically they go back and forth with some high speed action as Soryanu is able to keep up with that style, especially with Azumi really being the queen of that style, or king. Azumi uh, hits a top rope arm drag and then hits a double stomp uh, for a two count. Sorinu escapes an arm bar, but Azumi is able to hold on to the arm uh, when Sori is getting up, and Azumi hits the C4 uh, German suplex bomb for a two count. Um, no, sorry, she hits the C4 bomb, and then a new pops up, and she hits Azumi with the German suplex. Sori then counters an Azumi sushi as they both trade so many near falls, I can't keep up. I paused the feed two or three times. Eventually, my arm uh, cramped up, and I just said, I'm going to put in the notes, I can't keep up with all these near falls. If you've seen some of these Azumi matches, you know what I mean, folks. Uh, uh, Nu misses that perfect Insigori, and that is, gives Azumi the opening for the Azumi Sushi, which only scores her two count. Azumi uh, hits the uh, La Mystica, and then a head kick for a two count. Uh, Nu is able to come back with that Insigori. Anu hits a crazy German suplex that only scores her two count. Uh, New and then goes for another German suplex against Sorinu with this bridge. It's just absolutely crazy. Channeling uh, Manomi Toyota. Uh, she hits a beautiful German suplex for 2.9. She goes for the Pottering Neckbreaker, but Azumi is able to counter that with a head kick. Turns the head kick into a Canadian Destroyer, and then quickly counters, uh, quickly follows up the Canadian Destroyer with the Azumi Sushi for the three count. Again, four and a quarter stars. Absolutely fantastic. Sorinu is really building herself up as an MVP of this tournament early on. Match number seven, the co-main event, Sanasuka Tora getting her sixth point by defeating Sherry with the Swanton Bond, 12 minutes, 59 seconds. 
I have this at four and a quarter stars. Now I do want to make mention that when I was doing my notes uh, when this match started, I saw that Nastico Tora had four points. She did get the two points over the forfeit. Uh, she was supposed to wrestle Sai Kamatani, I believe, a few days earlier. So, uh, yes, I will have to remind myself and remind you, folks, um, that anybody that is scheduled to wrestle Sai Kamatani, they get an automatic two points. So uh, that's where the six comes from. Tora defeated Amisori night one, the forfeit. Excuse me, the forfeit from Sai Kamatani is another two, and this one here is two, and my basic math skills will tell me two plus two plus two equals six. So, um, Tora tries to shoot an early double leg on the Sherry, uh, and not smart. What are you, what are you doing, Tora? What are you doing trying to shoot a double leg on the, uh, the shooter that is Sherry? Uh, Sherry comes up with a wrist lock. Tora hits a big tackle, but Sherry uses an arm drag to transition into some arm work onto Tora. Shuri hits a running knee that sends Tora to the floor. Uh, Tora uses a chair to block Shuri's apron kick. Uh, I thought that was very innovative. Uh, innovative, excuse me. And uh, these are way to tie matches. And this goes back to really Hazuki back in 18 and 19. With everybody on the outside, they do a great job blinding the ref. I hate it when there's cheating in front of the referee. SummerSlam had, some, had interference in a lot of matches. And there was some cheating in front of the referee. And then there was no cheating. Uh, there was cheating, but not in front of the referee. Hence, I don't, I don't want to make this about WWE. Hence, go back and watch Rollins versus Balor. There was so much running in with Damian Priest, with Dominic Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley. But they pulled the ref every time. That's how to do it. You don't punch somebody with brass knucks in an opening match in front of the referee. Anywho, I'm just saying, genius for a widow tie and Tori here. The way that they pull the referee for all this cheating. Love it. Um... She pitches uh, Sherry back into the ring. Uh, Tor Tora works over Sherry's knee. Sherry's able to come back with a quesadora bulldog and then locks in a cross arm breaker to go back to Tora's arm. Tora and Sherry exchange forearms. Sherry opens up with some brutal kicks. Uh, it really gets her a big advantage of the match. Tora eventually comes back with a kick and a sit-out DVD. Or she counters a big kick uh, with a sit-out DVD. Tora hits a huge lariat and the Autobahn-style corner uh, cannonball in the corner. Uh, Tor hits a second rope splash for two. Shuri uh, goes back to Tor, uh, Tor's arm, transitioning into submissions. Uh, Sherry hits the draping DDT for a two count. Tor then counters a head kick into a power bomb and then a DVD for two. Very reminiscent to uh, Sherry versus Tommy matches, where Sherry just opening up with kicks but throws one too many and then she gets caught in the power bomb. Um, so I thought that was a, that was a cool counter spot, but then instead of just hitting the power bomb and then kind of resting. Tori knows that she needs to stay on Sherry here. He's able to hit the DVD for two. Crowd is really, really hot uh, for this whole show, but really at this point in this match, really hot trying to get behind Sherry. Uh, Tori goes to the top rope, and this is a swanton bomb. Uh, Sherry hits a code breaker and follows up with a brutal head kick for a two count. Uh, Tori then blinds the ref, basically pushes the ref out of the way, hits the myth while Sherry is on the top rope. Tori then hits a top rope DVD, which I thought was the finish, but uh, Sherry kicks out. Then Tora quickly goes to the top rope, is able to uh, stay aggressive, and is able to uh, hit the Swanton Bomb for the three count. 12 minutes, 59 seconds, four and a quarter stars. This is like the best Tora match I've seen since she's been back. She's been having these really, really good matches, and she's on an absolute roll. Six points. Again, I really think that going into that final night with her former Oedo Time member, Hazuki, that she's going to be in contention to make it to the finals. Because... Uh, this was fantastic. This was this was great. I'd love to see these two run it back. Uh, it was really cool how Shuri, anytime that she would try to get the advantage, there'd be some cheating involved. 
but not in front of the referee. I just thought that was so creative that that um, the ref is checking on Tora as Shuri's going to the top rope. And Tora, all she does is just take the ref and kind of just move him out of the way. And she uh, spits the miss. We saw Kagetsu do that quite a bit in her matches with Mayu. And it was copy naked and naked. I mean, it worked for Kagetsu and Mayu. Why can't it work for Tora and Shuri? And Shuri did here. Uh, again, the DVD and then the Swanton Bomb for the three count. We go to the final match, the main event match, and the match that I know that I was looking forward towards the most of these two shows. And uh, we go to the Red Stars block. Tam Nakano, the World of Stardom champion, gets another two points, moving up to four, leaving Hazuki on a big zero. Tam Nakano gets the win, 12 minutes, 35 seconds, with four violent shootings, and then the violent screwdriver for the three count, four and a half stars. Uh, Hazuki uses uh, basically some of her quickness to bait Tam in, really kind of getting in Tam's head. Uh, Tam gets away for some boot scrapes early on, hits a cutter. We've seen Tam using the uh, the diamond cutter, maybe the cosmic cutter, we'll call it here. Cosmic angel cutter, CAC. Um, we've seen her use that quite a bit here uh, in 2023. Uh, she follows up the, the cosmic cutter with the cartwheel kick. Tam then pours on a few more kicks. Hazuki and Tam trade forearms, which we knew that was going to happen. Well, we all paid to see that these two just standing in the middle of the ring trading forearms. Great. Uh, Hazuki gets a half and half slam and a senton. Hazuki follows up. The, was able to follow up. Finally, it's the boot scrapes face wash combination. Uh, crowd is really, really hot for, for both Hazuki uh, and Tam. Hazuki does a great job interacting with the crowd and getting them involved. She's got really great crowd psychology. Uh, Hazuki locks in a uh, cross uh, cross face and then follows up with a DDT. Hazuki then goes to the top, but Tam boots her right outside of the ring. I mean, uh, she goes to the top rope and Tam just kicks her and uh, Hazuki just fumbles right to the floor. Uh, Tam hits a dive to the floor. Tam hits a pump knee and a huge German suplex back in the ring. Hazuki is able to come back with a pump kick and a suplex of her own. Hazuki crushes Tam with a pair of pump kicks and then follows up with a draping DDT. I mean, Hazuki doesn't hold anything back here, neither does Tam. Uh, Hazuki back to the crossface and then transitions the crossface into the double armbar or the rings of Saturn submission. Crowd, crowd at this point really rallying behind Tam. Hazuki does a great job when it's like babyface first babyface. When she's on the defensive, she's able to get the crowd to rally behind her. And then when she's on the offensive, she's able to help get the crowd to rally behind the, uh, her opponent. See Hazuki Vismayu. See Hazuki Versailles uh, again. Rob and I just called it for uh, Patreon members. Is that uh, she does a great job again with face first face, getting the crowd to get behind who's ever kind of on the defensive on the selling uh, again. And great, I'm Tam's. You know she's a really good baby face. So Sia, so, so is Mayu, etc. But the uh, Hazuki just helps out just a little bit, getting the crowd to rally behind uh, the person that she's beating up, uh, which is pretty much everybody. Um, uh, Tam is able to get to the ropes. We see a Hazuki driver and a senton for two. She goes to the top rope. Uh, then she hits a top rope senton for two. Um, Tam then hits a tiger suplex, and then she follows up with the chicken wing slam for a two count. Tam then tries for the twilight dream, but Hazuki counters and goes for the Hazuki straw, which I thought would have been the finish. But when she goes to roll over into the Hazuki straw, or the Mai straw, Tam was able to stack her for 2.9. I thought that was great. Then Hazuki comes back uh, and is able to put Tam in an abdominal stretch. She turns the abdominal stretch into a pinning attempt, a la Dory Funk Jr., um, and then Tam is able to counter with a huge spin kick and then four violent shootings that leads into the violent screwdriver for a three count. 12 minutes, 35 seconds, four and a half stars. Very much like Starlight Kid versus Suzu Suzuki. Great match. Unbelievable. 
but you just think there's another gear missing there. And the fact that Hazuki has dropped her first two matches, she's dropped them to the IWGP Women's Champion, and she's dropped it to the World of Stardom Champion. And considering the fact that Sai Kamatani was pegged to win this tournament, maybe now Hazuki does not lose another match. Maybe she runs the table, she wins the five-star, and then Mayu and Tam can both come out and say, we're both champions. I'm the champion of New Japan. Tam's the champion of stardom. Who do you want to face? And we both, you're only lost two matches in the five-star. And it's one to Mayu, one to Tam. So maybe that's the route they go. Maybe Hazuki rallies. She wins this tournament. And then it's like, well, does she choose Tam or does she choose Mayu? Because those are the her first two losses and her only two losses. Maybe that's the way they go. I would not be disappointed. Um, I don't think anybody would. I think everybody just is a huge fan of Hazuki. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. Folks, let's do some previewing before we get out of here. Let's talk about the upcoming five-star matches. Coming up on the... Let me see here. Let me get my notes. Coming up this weekend, and then we will preview the big pay-per-view. So we have coming up this weekend on the 10th, Red Stars block. We have Mayuri Watani versus Natsupoi. That's going to be fantastic. We're supposed to have Saikamatani and Amisori. Obviously, that will not be going down due to the injury of Saikamatani. Uh, Suzu Suzuki for Natsupoi Tora. That's going to be interesting because Tora's on an absolute roll, and I don't see her dropping too many matches. And then we also have Tora and Starlight Kid in the pay per view, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. But Suzu needs some wins. I think one more last because of the shorter block. Is going to make it next to impossible for her to uh, to be in contention going into that final night or that final week. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. I won't give my actual predictions uh, until I kind of write them down. Oh, speaking of which, hold on one sec, folks. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um, for our, if you're new to the show, what we were doing is we were doing a pick em between myself, Rob, our co-host, uh, and our significant others, uh, my wife Amber and his girlfriend Kirsty. And if you have been listening to uh, the podcast, you know that we are getting our asses kicked. My wife, who's seen maybe a dozen starter matches, and Kirsty, who's seen zero. And obviously, Rob and I have seen every starter match from, uh, from just about from the last two or three years. Every starter match, and even before that, we watch a lot of stardom. So, folks, here are the standings after these two shows. In last place. Would be me with nine points. Third place, Rob Goodwin with 10 points. Second place would be my wife with 11 points. And in first place, Rob's girlfriend, Kirsty, with 13 points. Yes, folks. The two people who do a stardom podcast that talk about stardom. Again, it was featured on Talk is Jericho just about a month or so ago. We were in last place losing to our significant others. Again, my wife's seen maybe a dozen, dozen and a half stardom matches. Rob's girlfriend has not seen any. So we are getting. We're inching a little bit closer. Wasn't as bad as last week. Again, it's a long tournament. So uh, hopefully we can make up some ground. So anywho, I would not be giving my official predictions until uh, maybe tomorrow. So again, we are going to be taking a look at, yeah, uh, Suzu Suzuki and Tora. That's certainly going to be interesting. Also on the 10th, uh, Blue Stars block, there is no matches. However, on the 12th, Saturday, there is going to be, there is no matches in Red Star Block. But Blue Star Block is absolutely loaded. Listen to these matches. Soria Nu versus Yutami Hayashista. Wow. Yutami is pegged by well, many people to win this tournament. Soria Nu, as I mentioned before, is the early MVP of this tournament. That's going to be great. Azumi versus Hanan. You're going to see massive roll-up attempts. I guarantee you there's going to be at least eight 
uh, flash pinfalls in this match, and I'm excited to see it. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes like six, seven minutes, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's a four and a quarter star match. Uh, and then what might be the main event, maybe you tell me, sorry, news the main event, I'm not sure, but this is going to be great. Julia versus Mina Shirakawa, both former goddess champions, both former uh, trios champions, uh, and both former one, uh, Wonder of Stardom champions as well. So, uh, and both leaders of their faction, Donald Del Mundo and Club Venus. So, uh, artists, I couldn't think of it. Both former artists of Stardom champions, not trios, but you, you get the gist. Uh, and both very hard-hitting, both very violent. So uh, Julia's a phenomenal seller, especially selling on the limbs, and that's what Mina likes to go for. So, yeah, that is going to be very, very interesting. Um, also, too, we may as well preview. Uh, how about the 15th? The 15th, we have Yutami versus Zumi. Uh, Queen's Quest there. Sori Nu versus Momo Watanabe. Holy jeez, that's going to be great. Mina Shirakawa versus Mariah May. So you have Queen's Quest versus Queen's Quest, and you have Club Venus versus Club Venus. And then the 15th Red Stars block, Tam Nakano versus Mayu Iwatani. Oh, boy. Wow. Wow. Shuri versus Suzuki. Yes, take all my money. Sai Kamatani versus Nasapoi. Unfortunately, not going to happen. So, folks, again, I'm just going to run down the top matches coming up over the next week. Mayu versus Nasapoi. Suzu versus Tora. Mayu versus Tam. Shuri versus Suzuki, but that's probably the match I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, Utami versus Soryanu, Julia versus Mina, Utami versus Zumi, Sori versus Momo Watanabe. We get all of that in the next week, plus this pay-per-view. Plus this pay-per-view, folks. Let's run it down, shall we? This will be the uh, last piece of business for us today. So, let's pull it up here. We have Stardom X Stardom coming up this Sunday, I believe the 13th. We are going to start, again, this is not in 100% order, but we are going to start with a gauntlet match. We have uh, the participants in the gauntlet match, Suzu Suzuki and Maysera, Hazuki and Saeeda. Oh, I have dubbed them the new Miracle Violence Collection uh, <laughs> connection. Of course, the uh, the very first one was Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy from All Japan fame. So I'm dubbing, dubbing Hazuki and Saeeda the new Miracle Violence Connection. Momo Watanabe and Ruaka Azumi Miyuamasaki from O2 Line. Yuna Mizumori and Momoko Hanazono. Oh, man. So we have Momoko Hanazono coming back. Waka and Billiken Death. Oh, boy. That's funny. Hana and Hina. Love it when the sisters team up. Mike and Tekla. Shuri and Hanako. And the former Goddess of Southern Champions, Mirai and Amisori. I think this gauntlet match will be fun. It's nice that uh, everybody's going to get in the match. Um, and you're going to see some probably some interesting pairings. But I think I'm going to pick Suzu Suzuki and May Sierra to get the win here. We then go, again, this is not in any particular order, to uh, the only five-star Grand Prix match. Starlight Kid versus Natsuko Tora. I will give my prediction on this because it's a pay-per-view. Starlight Kid's got to get a win here. But then do we have Tora dropping two matches. Um, it's a possibility or maybe a time limit drop. But I'm going to say Starlight Kid gets the win here. You know what? No, I'm going to change that because when Toro was injured, a lot of new Stardom fans, including me, thought Starlight Kid was the leader of Oedo Tai, either Starlight Kid or Momo Watanabe. And Toro has done a great job proving that she's the leader of this group and being really aggressive. And I think if Toro drops the fall here to Starlight Kid, it's going to show that maybe Starlight Kid's the leader. So no, I'm going to change my pick and say that Toro gets the win here. 
But Starly Kid needs to pick up, start picking up some wins. They just can't just keep drowning her here. So it's going to be interesting. But I'm going to say Tora, but I'm doing terrible on these picks anyway. So, um, high-speed championship. Saki Kashima, the champion, defending against the high-speed genius. The dancing bear herself, Koguma. This will be fun. This will be comedy. This will be a zillion near falls. But I think this is just another match to get uh, Saki Kashima another win underneath her high-speed championship. I see Saki Kashima retaining. Um, we then go to the Goddess of Stardom Championship. This is going to be great. This is going to be fun. The champions, Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May of Club Venus, a.k.a. Rose Gold, taking on the team of Cosmic Angels, Soria New, and Natsupoi. Folks, we've been talking about how great Natsupoi and Tam are as Meltier, probably the best tag team in Stardom. Obviously, Tam not doing tag team full-time because she is the Red Belt Champion, the World of Stardom Champion. Um, but, uh, so you're basically taking Tam out and putting Story New in. Story New again, she's absolutely crushing it. She, though, this little interweaving storyline where she likes Natsupoi, she doesn't, and she's going to stab him in the back. She's kind of doing all the Cosmic Angel stuff, kind of under protest, like half-assed it. Um, but she's going to be great here. Story New is great. Her and Natsupoi together as frenemies or whether they're at, on the same page or not, this match is going to be great. I think this, this has potential to be stardom tag match of the year. It really does. Um, Julia defending the New Japan Strong Championship against you. I see Julia getting a win here, and going to be seeing. It's going to be interesting to see if Julia can use any of her power moves on you. Obviously, you is one of the bigger and stronger wrestlers. We see if she can get her up to the Falcon Arrow, the Glorious Driver, and or the Northern Lights Bomb. She did hit it on Will Nightingale. It was very impressive. So, uh, if Julia gets the win here, then maybe next Sunday she accepts Diana Perazzo's challenge. In Philly, which then will make me buy a ticket. I haven't bought my ticket yet to that show, Multi-Universe. Um, but there's a possibility. I have a feeling that once the show is over, that I will be buying a ticket. I think that we'll see something either on Twitter or maybe a uh, video thing where Diana Prazo then says, Hey, I'm going to be in Philly a week from today. I challenge you for that New Japan, New Japan Strong Championship. So let me go to our last two matches, folks. And I strongly believe that this is going to be the co-main event. World of Stardom Championship, Tam Nakano versus Megan Bain. Um, obviously, I always say that, I don't know why I'm saying obviously, that the your championship match, your main championship match should go on last. When they were saying there's going to be a double main event at All-Star Grand Queendom, Tam versus Julia, and the dream match of Mayu versus Mercedes. Obviously, Mercedes is the one who really drew a majority of that crowd because of her big star status. Coming over from WWE, a lot of new subscribers to Stardom World. A lot of people bought the pay-per-view because of Mercedes. But I said, Tam and Julia got to go on last, right? They have the feud. It's the World of Stardom Championship. Uh, that's got to go on. I was so glad that it went on last. I think this is going to be a little different just because Megan Bain's new and who's in what I think is going to be the main event, which I'll get to. Um, it, they could. They could still put this on as the main event. I think either or would be the right call. Again, I mentioned it before, they're doing a great job building Megan Bain up, making her look like an absolute monster, just genius booking from stardom. But that's going to be Tam. Tam's going to get the win here. Um, and then we'll see if there's going to be a challenger for her for maybe the next show, or if not, they're just going to have her let her run into the five-star. And then the match that everybody's looking forward to. Hey, don't get me wrong, this whole show I'm really looking forward to. But this is going to be the biggie, folks. Mayu Iwatani defending the World of Stardom Championship against Utami Haya, not the world, excuse me, the IWGP Joshi Championship, Women's Championship, against Utami Hayashista. A lot of people are wondering where this, how's this one going to go? This one, I think, is going to get a lot of time. 
because we it is kind of a shorter card. I mean, you look at a lot of great wrestlers are in that Tad Gauntlet, and that'll go fast. Or it might be free on YouTube, which they won't tell anybody about. Uh, if it is free on YouTube, uh, we are we are starting. Please let us know so I can get up earlier and watch it on Sunday. By the way, fantastic job to the uh, fantastic people over at Stardom World getting these shows up in like less than 24 hours. It's great. The show happens, and then like the next morning, I see that it's up on Stardom World. So it's great. It's able to keep everything up. So great job over at Stardom World, folks. Keep it up. Um, but, uh, anywho, yes. So, um, if anybody does know that at the gauntlet match, if there's another match that is on earlier than the scheduled time, please let me know. So then I can get no problem getting up early, watching it just so I can note it and, uh, be able to give you a proper review. But yes, I think that this match is going to go quite a bit of time. The IWGP rule says 60 minutes. I don't think it's going to go to a 60 minute time limit. Although I wouldn't say no to saying Mayu and Utami wrestle for 60 minutes. But I think what happens here is Mayu beats Utami. This is Mayu's first defense. This championship's been hot potatoed really since Kyrie won it. Kyrie had one defense over Tam and then lost it to Mercedes. Mercedes had the one defense over Azumi and Hazuki and then lost it to Mayu. All those matches were great. Uh, go see them if you haven't. But I don't think Mayu's going to drop it here. I think Mayu gets the win here. I think Utami wins the five-star. Utami goes on to beat Tam at the end of the year for the World of Stardom Championship. I think maybe sometime in the spring, Mayu drops the IWGP Women's Championship. Then I think in about maybe 10, 12 months from now, uh, Utami, who's the World of Stardom Champion, Mayu doesn't have a belt. Mayu says, look, I beat you at Stardom X Stardom uh, for the IWGP Championship. I want a shot at the red belt. And that gives Mayu a chance to come back about a year later, Stardom does a great job with these long-term story storylines. Mayu can say, hey, I gave you a shot. I want a shot at your red belt, and that'll get Mayu versus Utami up again. Um, go If you have not done so, and I'm, I'm probably going to uh, go back and watch it before the pay-per-view, watch their semifinal match from the uh, IWGP Women's Tournament. I believe it was night one of the Stardom Goddess Tournament. I know it was on a pay-per-view, but it was... That match was what the uh, the 30 35 bucks I spent on the pay-per-view alone. I think I rated it five stars, and I think Rob was like four and three-fourths. He said he wanted to give it like 4.9, but that's not how the scale worked. I said, what's your scale? You can do what you want with it. But uh, that was a match that was match of the year contender. It was great. Uh, again, Mayu versus Utami. Even when Utami beat Mayu for the World of Stardom Championship back in 2020, even though the crowd was very, very quiet, it was a COVID crowd, I understand. But that match was fantastic and uh, just as good, if not better, was their match last year, last fall. Uh, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, go and watch it. If you just watched it before uh, before you watched this into this episode, go and watch it again because absolutely fantastic. Uh, Utami and Mayu just have great chemistry. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think Mayu will retain what will be an absolute barn burner match of the year contender. Uh, but then I think come six, seven, eight months, that Mayu comes back to challenge Utami for the World of Stardom Championship. Folks, that is my prediction, 8, 10, 12 months in the future. So if it does happen, come back and uh, quote me on this episode. Folks, we got one more piece of business before we wrap it up. We are one month away from the release of the Stardom Cast Beer, the label we have put up on all of our social medias. If you have not seen it or you do not do social media, send me an email, stardomcast22 at gmail.com. I have no problem for you over what the label will look like. It's going to be a 5.4% beer. It's going to be a sour mashed brewed with blueberries. Um, and they have actually the fantastic people over at Funk 
they did put a QR code on the label that'll be on the can. So if you scan it, it'll take you to the Stardom Cast link tree. So uh, absolutely excited for that. The logo that we did use is the logo that uh, Haley Stokes, the very talented Haley Stokes, has. Uh, she's done all of our labels. We decided to use the Julia uh, Five Star Grand Prix 2022 a win pose which i believe was our second logo so that's the logo that we went with we figured this beer will be coming out um in the midst of the five star i believe it's the second week of september this is supposed to drop and you know it just it looks really cool and Haley's doing a great job and uh there's a new logo stardom cast logo coming out but i've had to book Haley like six seven weeks in advance she's just so busy with her new uh new career doing tattoos so the Southern Cast logos will probably be coming out instead of coming out maybe every two or three months. It might be like once or twice a year because she's just so busy, which is awesome, which is awesome. So there'll be a new Stardom Cast logo coming out either the end of August or beginning of September. Keep your eyes peeled for that. I won't tell you what it is or who it is. You'll just see it and uh, you'll probably love it because Haley's great. So, yes, thank you to the fantastic friends over at Funk Brewery for uh, going out of their way, getting that beer out uh, in the middle of September putting that fancy qr code on the beer can that was just absolutely genius and those guys have been nothing but great to us and norman puck have been friends of mine for a while and uh mark shito shito as well and i want to plug uh plug their uh documentary that they did uh that i was a part of world's strongest bro uh, it's basically an annual event that we literally do in puck's backyard puck is one of the owners of funk brewing where it's basically a little bit of drinking games and a whole bunch of really dumb lifting events that we do that we have an absolute blast we just keep drawing bigger crowds in the puck's backyard and i told them we need to start charging a mission and pay a landscaper because we mess up puck's yard and uh mark shitso shitso my buddy shitso he did a great job on this documentary uh it's like 15 16 minutes long i have it up on all of my social medias i will repost if you want to want me to or just go on youtube type in world strongest bro it's like the second or third thumbnail down it's a picture of puck who's a bald guy carrying a keg with a yellow background if you have 15 minutes go and watch it. it's absolutely fantastic and we have a blast every year doing World's Strongest Bro. I look forward to it like I look forward to Christmas and like how I look forward to WrestleMania. Really, I absolutely love it. So, um, folks, that's going to do it. Uh, I was at this by myself for about an hour and 20 minutes. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, Rob will be better and we'll be back with us next week because we have a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of stuff coming up. If you have not done so, folks, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a comment if you think we deserve it. Also, please go over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button if you have not yet. The goal is by the end of this year to get to a thousand subscribers. We got a little ways to go, but I feel confident that we will do it. And we're coming out with some new uh, material to put up on the podcast to help that out as well. So please go and do that. Also hit that like, uh, share and subscribe button. That helps us out uh, an absolute ton. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, plugs. Uh, you guys want to get a hold of me? Questions, comments, Matt Turner, OF, on the Instagram and or the Twitter or the X or whatever it's called. And again, folks, the email address, the Starmcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Once again, folks, I cannot say thank you enough. Thanks for hanging in there with me, just listening to uh, me rant and rave about stardom for almost an hour and a half. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed giving you the product. That'll close it out for another fantastic episode, folks. Hope you all have a great day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the pay-per-view. Enjoy this fantastic five-star. Enjoy the ending of the G1, which is closely coming upon us. Enjoy wrestling. Enjoy WWE. Enjoy AEW. Whatever you're watching. Tokyo Joshi Pro. Lucha. Death matches. Enjoy wrestling. Enjoy music. Enjoy the summer. Enjoy life, folks. And anything that I can do, you just let me know. It's what I am here for. 
because I cannot do any of this without you folks. Like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together. Everybody's special. Everyone's different. Bye, boy. <laughs>